This is WMUK's West Southwest. I'm Gordon Evans. A new football season comes with some changes for Western Michigan University, including, of course, a new head football coach. Tim Lester is leading the Broncos after P.J. Fleck left after four seasons for the University of Minnesota. One constant for 20 years now has been Western's athletic director, Kathy Beauregard. Thank you very much for being here. It's a pleasure to be here and always a great day to be a Bronco. We're also joined today by Patrick Nothaft of the Kalamazoo Gazette and Bill Broderick of the Battle Creek Inquirer. Hey, nice to be here. Yeah. And Bill, you have the first question for Kathy Beauregard. We are coming off uh, the kind of season that people kind of dream about for football for Western Michigan. Uh, maybe the best season in any sport Western's ever had. Uh, maybe the best uh, series of time Western Michigan's ever had in, in anything in terms of uh, high, being high profile and, and getting a uh, some notoriety, but uh, so from an athletic standpoint, from a your job standpoint, how do you use that momentum uh, to to the best advantage? You, I see more billboards around town. I see more marketing with the football team, and is it important to keep the momentum going uh, throughout all this off season? And how important is it to keep that momentum in terms of the game day experience uh, when you guys get going in the season? Well, it's very important. There is no doubt. I appreciate your compliments on our season last year. It really is and has been uh, a dream come true to actually have visions that I've been with the athletic department for over 20 years and this institution for longer than that and have one day really dreamt about the ability to be able to do what we did in football. So that dream doesn't stop. That vision doesn't stop. The momentum doesn't stop. Obviously, we do have a change in a coach uh, and uh, did have a succession plan in place, believed that with with Coach Fleck's success that there was going to be a time when he would move on. And and um, certainly after the opportunity to play in a New Year's, you know, level game, bowl game, you know, really topped that all off uh, from all aspects. So even though it was a change, there was maybe a little momentum swing from – uh, individuals that were excited about that and others that were like, really, you're dealing with this. But in my head, we knew that uh, we were much better off during the time under Coach Flack and couldn't be more excited about looking and going to and talking to our homegrown uh, coach, Tim Lester, about the next opportunity. Yeah, and and I can see where you guys want to use that momentum, trying to get a hot coach in there after P.J. Fleck uh you know, that was a situation where he, he raised the profile of the program. And now that when all that kind of happened, then it was kind of on you on what to do next. What What is Western Michigan going to do next to to take advantage of that season? Uh, you guys, ha- you're never going to have this kind of profile again. So Western Michigan is on the lips of everyone in Kalamazoo and, and in Michigan. So maybe that means more people in the stadium. Maybe that means more T-shirts being sold uh, what have you guys felt like you had to do in this offseason to take the best advantage of that? Well, first of all, making sure that our student-athletes were taken care of on the football side and the hiring of Coach Lester. We did that within a week's time. We did lose several recruits to Coach Flock, but jumped right in there and worked as quickly as we possibly could. Feel terrific with the uh, recruiting staff and the staff had done a great job of recruiting and continuing to do that. Uh, There is not a better time, I think, for Coach Lester to come on board. Uh, Overtime and his years here, having played 20 years ago, which is kind of hard to believe, but uh, it really is. Uh, We have definitely brought back an alumni base. 
uh, and excitement for the program, ones that were, but ones that are much more now. So they've seen what we've done. They're really proud and excited that it's our homegrown coach that was once time a great, you know, epic player here himself and um, certainly have uh, his way of dealing with the team and making sure that the team continues the belief, uh, the passion. We know that playing USC right out of the boat um, has uh, been an exciting, really dream of four years planning for this game that's actually going to come. But our season ticket sales are terrific. Um, All of the events that we've had, the response to uh, the fan day, all of those have really still been at a momentum level that we didn't even have before. So I do feel they all still believe strongly. I think having Tim be a part of that, the rest of us be a part of that, some consistency there for our athletes. And you can't tell them that it's any different of a day. They um, obviously have adjusted to the change. And, and for Tim's aspects, tough coming in uh, when you have a program at this level. But the, the, the vision is to keep it going at this level. Uh, the excitement, the uh, publicity, you know, we were incredibly uh, excited about when we put together the stats of really what the marketing value of what we had in the last year's football season added up to over $89 million of non- money not spent but visibility for Western Michigan University and specifically our uh, football program and the Mid-American Conference. So there are, in our opinion, some great days to still come ahead. Patrick. All right. Um, And, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any better way to follow up on that historic season than with a trip to the Coliseum. Um, Obviously, uh, Western Michigan is going to get um, a sizable check to make that trip. But could you talk about um, what a game like that means for uh, the program and just for kind of the excitement and atmosphere surrounding the team this year? Sure. I, I will tell you it's interesting to listen to Coach Flex's conversations to the um, team when we went to the Cotton Bowl to be able to play in the ATT uh, stadium that doesn't get any better in the country. And uh, the opportunity we had there, um, it's been great to listen to Coach Lester talk about the fact that you know, you're, you should not be nervous about this opportunity at the Coliseum because you just came off of the best venue to play football probably in the country when mm-hmm. we left the Cotton Bowl. So obviously the history that surrounds the Coliseum is one of the things that I think is most exciting to a lot of us and what's actually taken place in that venue. We are the first team uh, in my checking of the history to play a pack 12 team in from the Mid-American Conference. It's just not a typical uh, travel, you know, scenario for us. Um, this was very unique with one of our alums reaching out to us um, and asking us to come and showcase the Broncos and his town with that being Alec Gores uh, and going to entertain the team at his home while we're out there uh, and the opportunity to play, no doubt, one of the best teams in the country, which we've never shied away from. We talk about playing the bigger, the best. And if you look back to our years, it's interesting to me. We were just talking about this yesterday. The year that we played Ohio State, we played Michigan State, we played Georgia uh, Southern, it was a year that we played, every team we played had won a championship before that. And um, what that did for the team, preparing them for the next year, which was last year, 
um, is an incredible uh, accomplishment and, and learned so much during that time of what it takes to actually build a championship and get there. So playing in the Coliseum and doing what we're doing is really going to be an opportunity for us to reach out to our California alums from, from one, all over. We have some of our uh, you know, obviously people traveling from here, but it's really going to be an opportunity for alumni gathering and uh, one that should be very special in kicking off kicking off the year. Do you think you have the right balance of a schedule this year? I mean, I look, you, you go to USC, you go to Michigan State, so there's a couple Power 5 teams, but you do get six home games. Uh, you also are going to have a couple of night games during the week, uh, one of those against Central Michigan. All in all, does that work out to the sort of schedule that you would want to have in a year if you could design it? Of course, there's external factors, but if you could design it, is this the sort of schedule you'd want to have? You know, the scheduling is one of those things that is... uh I'd like to say there's a true pattern to what you're able to do. Sometimes it's right place, right time. Uh, It happened to be that way last year. If we hadn't had the last play of the game called our way at Northwestern last year, we wouldn't have had the season that we had last year. So it is incredible to also look at a little bit of luck and look at those things from uh, all that aspect. Scheduling there, you try to have a science too. You just... When we scheduled USC, we didn't know they were going to have the number one quarterback in the country right now. But that's okay. That's what it is. And we go out and we play with what we have and and uh, do that. Ideally, we hope to be able to be six and six, six at home, six away. Uh, and you certainly know what we're going to have with the Mid-American Conference. The MAC, our people either like or dislike the night game November. It's really set up. We were the first ones uh, with ESPN to do that. We did um, look at the the value of that media exposure, sometimes more so than uh, what it's like to play Central Michigan on a midweek game. That's probably not my ideal choice from accessibility for everyone to be able to attend the game. But that's an ESPN choice that they know we're going to be in the running. We're going to be in there for the championship. Expectations for that. Central Michigan, the same thing. And so that game was selected for that. We're scheduling, which some people don't necessarily realize, four, five, six, seven years out. So uh, that's a part of the non-conference piece that you hope that you can put together so that you can have a year like we did. Sometimes you know you're going to not be able to do that every year. So the planning of that all happening in the fourth year of Coach Flack was was timing, hoping that that all fits together. And, and this year, knowing we were going to come back with two, two big games right away. But once we uh, play them and uh, get moving from that aspect, it'll be great to, to be home for our community university game. And then certainly we do know that we do have uh, midweek games this year, but we're certainly expecting all of the Broncos to continue to support uh, our football program. You mentioned that it may not be ideal to play your rival Central Michigan during a midweek game. But is the other way of thinking of that, that Central Michigan will probably always draw a crowd to Waldo. You have another uh, midweek game before that. Is that one maybe the tougher one to get people to turn out for because it isn't necessarily Central Michigan? You might not have the people who quite have as much interest in it. Well, I think we did a a great thing, the planning of my staff with our scheduling as far as our ticket sales. So our season ticket numbers were up. But we've also packaged together some different packaging for, for tickets to be 
pick three so you can pick three of those games as a choice for that so that we know that maybe somebody out of town can't necessarily come to all of those uh, so they can pick one, two, and three each month or how they want to do that. So we've made Tippett to our marketing to hopefully strategize around that. And uh, it, it is uh, what we believe is we'll be in the running for the MAC at that time and that our fans are going to show up, students are going to show up. Uh, there's no doubt we're really excited about uh, President Montgomery's new time here at Western Michigan and opportunity for him to join us for his first his first football game as he really gets acclimated to the campus and the community and and uh, certainly all of the great things that go on with athletics, but those also continue throughout the entire university. Bill? Last year we sat in this room and we talked about uh, playoff formats and Power 5 bowl games and you know, it's kind of a fantasy world to think, well, Western Michigan might even be in that conversation at the end of the year, but then as it turned out, they have an undefeated Broncos team and and at that time, you're saying, wow, it would be nice to, to be even included in the conversation of being in a playoff format. Uh, but a Mac school really doesn't have that realization of believing that they could be included or could be actually talked about. But uh, if there's a, a eight-team playoff or, or an expanded playoff and they want to include uh, uh, the schools from conferences like the Mac or like Western Michigan, then that might have changed. And has your attitude changed about that from last year to this year, considering the situation you, Western Michigan was in? And, and do you favor like the four team playoff, or do you favor an expansion of that? No, actually, I am still uh, in favor of the format that's taking place. Uh, I, I, you know, it was tough. I mean, it was we had to go through the season. Every single game mattered, and concentrate on each game at a time, which is which is really difficult when you people think it's. You know, really understanding the pressure when you're moving through an undefeated season is not easy as a coach and an administrative and staff and fans and all of those. And many times, as I said before, the right things have to happen and you have to stay healthy and you have to have uh, a little bit of luck at sometimes late in the games, which which we did from that aspect. Really, when they set this program up, um, and it's a college football playoff scenario, we knew that we were going to get one slot. Uh, that basically was done out of, uh, you know, the legal antitrust scenario. It wasn't necessarily put together because they wanted to keep us in that mix, but they knew that they did. We one, are one slot for a New Year's One slot for a New game. Year's bowl game. So not, is, not the playoff. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's, yeah, okay. So well, that was great that, that Western got one of those slots, we, but they would never be, able, be in consideration okay, of being a playoff. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah, you're right from that aspect. Um and um, maybe down the road there will be something from that aspect, but I will tell you right now the way it's set up and our goal was to definitely know that uh, even though we were 13-0 and 0 going into that, that, uh, that we were there, that we did um, execute to the best of our ability. We were the best of the non-autonomous five, and um, I honestly am honest and uh, realistic enough and have been in the business long enough. That comes with a significant amount of dollars. And uh, I do not see that we're going to see a different playoff system in place as successful as this has been. And so for us to still have an opportunity for that is um, still where I am on, the, on that aspect of, uh, of the football system. Well, how much fun would it have been and how excited would Kalamazoo have been if it had like a, a basketball situation where everyone who wins a conference is involved? And you can't do that for football for everyone, but if you would have expanded to eight – 
it might have been a possibility where Western could have had an argument saying we're undefeated. We could have been an eight, and then you have P.J. Fleck and the boys going in there as an eight seed, and, then, and anything could have yes, happened at that anything point. Anything could have happened. So you're uh, right about that. That's giving the little guy a little bit more of a chance, and does that really hurt the overall product if, you, if they went to that situation? Hmm. The one thing that I would tell you that was uh, still unsettling to us was the fact that no matter how much we had to prove, we were still under conversation around the table. Should we even be that team? Each week it happened. So the uh, opportunity for the MAC to gain through that, we all know it even came down to Navy, and it was going to be pretty difficult even for us or anyone to root against Navy getting an opportunity in that game. I mean, they're fighting for our country, and you can't really want anything but the best. And we watched on that day their quarterback go down, and another thing happened so that it it really was us. I think there's going to be continued conversation regarding all of it. Um, I will tell you, after being through it once, uh, that is – and there's just there's just so much power and so many politics involved in this and so much money that uh to be honest with you they're they're addressing the non-autonomous with the financial piece of that it may not get us to that point of what you're talking about but it certainly it certainly is something that's set up that uh, that I feel very comfortable with right now and I don't see that group actually making change Patrick and it seems like if you want to raise your profile at the beginning of the season, which is important, I think, if you were trying to get into the discussion of where your team should be, say that it runs the table like it did last year. Um, So could you talk a little bit about um, the importance of playing a team like USC and having a good showing in that game? And um, is scheduling an opponent like that going to be a priority going forward? Absolutely. Uh, The one thing we do have to do, which is extremely true on this, is really line up your scheduling so that you'll still be in the conversation. And even though last year, I mean, it it helped us with the wins over Northwestern. It helped us with the win over Illinois. They weren't ranked as high as they probably would have been uh, from that aspect. We had to get through Toledo for the, you know, even for our own championship because you have to win that to go on to the, uh, you know, the championship game. The MAC championship game. Yeah, the MAC championship game. So uh, in our scheduling, we've always attempted, and there will be more points moving forward and more votes moving forward, knowing what kind of schedule you actually play and show at that time. So we've probably been one of the more aggressive in the MAC to to continue to do that with our scheduling. And I think, I mean, soon we'll be coming out with some more announcements that I think will be very exciting for our fans and trying to find that right balance. I mean, it's nice to think about, we know what a 13-0 team did. We know we could water the the schedule down to make it 13-0 and 0 potentially again, even though our league schedule just gets, you know, it, it gets tougher every year and you just don't know who's going to be leading that. But in our strategy is that exactly. The one year that we ended up with a change, Ohio State actually, uh, back when we played them a couple years ago, made a change of the team coming in because they need to play us, and they need to play us in the MAC that they know are going to be at the top of the league. They can't afford to have the win that's going to be at the team that may be at the bottom or not have the history or not have that, because that is going to be looked at as a weak point in their schedule. So as far as the Big Ten schools, we've had good conversation with them, understanding if they stretch to the MAC, they definitely want to uh, include the top, the you know the upper 
level of the MAC in our predictions as to what kind of a football program we have and where we're moving. Would you say that following last year's season, you've heard a little bit more from uh, maybe some higher profile teams who are reaching out and uh, interested in scheduling Western um, a couple years down the line? You know, we've we've tried to, except for this, going out to USA, we've really attempted to leave our schedules regional as much as we possibly can. Before your time and in our time, we actually <laughs> have played at Florida, have played at Auburn, have played, you know, at many of those all Florida over the State. country. Florida State. We played some of the best. We've done that. In the meantime, we now believe we can play those teams that would be ranked similarly regionally, and we can get our fans there. And sometimes the travel makes more sense. So that's why you've seen over the last few years, I mean, we even had, we were the first MAC team to ever play the, play Notre Dame. Uh, when we did that a few years ago, which which certainly is close and exciting, and and um, those ads are more than willing to talk to us about that. Sometimes it's just a matter of where it fits in. Sometimes it matters where their league schedules are and what they're doing. Northwestern Illinois, Indiana, uh, Purdue, uh, those are all willing to have conversations. Our good friends at uh, you know Michigan State, Michigan regularly will do that too, and and you can guarantee you that they've been wonderful about wanting to play us. I don't think we'll find Michigan State back here or any of those maybe willing to come back here like they did, but that was a unbelievable time in our history that also helped tremendously in that year of, of learning and growing for our student-athletes. So we talk about this almost every day as we're having conversations. Do you look at playing a Boise State? Do you look at playing... You know, we've got Idaho. Then the non-league piece of that and how we stick with some Mac schools are taking one great big team like an Alabama or, you know, whatever that may be. That's their big one. And then they may not be playing as tough the uh, other ways. We're we're still sticking with we want to play the best to be the best. And they we learn and you grow from the learning. Mistakes are made. And, and we're trying to set up what we would feel right now for Coach Lester's third or fourth year. Uh, you know, similar scenarios with the scheduling that, that that could work out in our favor if it we know we're going to continue to to recruit at the level we are and have the support at the level we are. And it's been wonderful to hear President Montgomery talk about how incredible intercollegiate athletics is really still going to be and has been for the onset of, you know, the future of Western Michigan's universities. Uh, exposure and uh, influence and, and parts of what that can all do to Kalamazoo, our community, and our university. How important when they're determining your strength of schedule is the intent uh, of scheduling? Because, for instance, you, you played Michigan State a couple years when Michigan State had very good teams. We don't know how good Michigan State's going to be coming off a 3-9 and nine season. But when you scheduled them, that was not a 3-9 and nine yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, so, in, in other words, th- does that get factored in that, that even if Michigan State comes out this year and is, is not much better or you know is, is, is uh, marginally better than they were last year, you still scheduled them at a time when you would have believed that Michigan State might be coming off, you know, a championship or a very strong season? Well, if I had a little genie bottle yeah. that we could rub and, and know what's going to happen with as many years out as you're going, it's tough to know. And uh, that's true, um, especially the year, as I told you, we scheduled. And then that next year, every single one of those teams we played had won a championship. So, you know, we basically talked to them about what it takes. And it was great from a from a, a learning perspective for our athletes. 
it's it's a big part of what we try to do. It's just one of those things. The game gets there, and you end up playing. You're going to play who you play, and it may run into our favor. Really unique last year with Illinois. Illinois was supposed to be a home game. They came back to us and said, "We don't want to come to you anymore. Will you look at coming to us?" And this was a year and a half before they were supposed to come. Well, we were excited about having them in Kalamazoo, but we said, "Well, what's what's that going to take?" And they said, well, I said, there's a $6,000 buy or $600,000 buyout. Sorry, I had trouble with my zeros there for a minute. Um, And were they willing to do that? And it took like two seconds on the phone to say, yeah, we'll do that if you'll come to our place. And I said, well, it's not only that, but it's an $800,000 guarantee for us to come and play. So we made over $1.2 million dollars. In going to Illinois last year, playing that game, and beating with no expectation on their part of believing that we were going to come out with the W, so that was one that ended up uh, as a as a, a a great financial, but also worked in the formula. We've had that go the other way. That Georgia Southern is in a league that we didn't believe was going to be half as good as they were. We went down there the first year and they smoked us. Uh, they they. Then that was not in the cards. We didn't believe that. Brought them back here the next year and knew how good they really were. Played them, beat them, and they're not going to be on our schedule for the future for a while. <laughs> so um, you just kind of learn uh, learn through the process. But part of it is the relationships you build uh, really with the different uh, universities and, and uh, Coach Lester. We sit down and talk with the football coach. Sometimes it's not like – he always totally the coach always totally agrees that what we end up doing but we certainly want their influence along the way and and it's just a part of um you know how it all how it all works bill we know that we've spent the most of this time period talking about football we know that the football wags the dog a little bit on the, on the university campus uh but uh, it also can be an advantage for the other sports and uh I know you're a big champion for the for the non-revenue sports in that way uh, how much has this last football season really help the university in general, those other sports, maybe even uh, enrollment at the school and and those kind of things. I mean, has it been a bonus for, for those other sports? So. Yes, it definitely has. I believe that even the, the collaboration between our coaches, whether it's in meetings, coming to each other's practices, uh, being a part of supporting one another across the board, um, I think definitely that we're going to we're expecting and are going to be anticipated as a good basketball year. Uh, in particular, I believe on both our men's and our women's side. Uh, last year was really unbelievable with also having a hockey team that was ranked number ten. And Coach Murray was very honest that two recruits that he signed. Uh, and committed committed after the exposure of the Cotton Bowl and the conversation of what that was. Because especially in hockey, maybe sometimes they don't follow that world as much, but they knew who Western Michigan University was from that aspect. And um, no doubt uh, from the hockey, basketball. And then when you look at our our Olympic sports, uh, it, it's just, it's the same way of uh, whatever we can do to engage the name and the exposure, uh, you know, across the country and specifically with those programs is is unbelievable. But not only were we able to do that and continue to do that on the field, but our academics were out of the world uh, this last year, highest we've ever had as a final GPA for the season for all our student-athletes at a 325 which for 400 athletes, it's an incredible 
uh, accomplishment uh, doing that in many setting records. Example, our women's gymnastics program was number four in the country in GPA and uh, third in the league in competition. So it's really all about that. We believe it's contagious. Um, enthusiastic uh, is what we need. And, uh, you know, some years you're going to have Got to have that little bit of luck along the way. But the vision, the dream, the passion of, of keeping the Broncos at the forefront, uh, I, I see it. Our, our uh, gosh, our revenue dollars in, in football last year tripled. Um, our licensing tripled uh, for revenue and exposure, which really shows you how many people really at one time, I hate to say this, but we had you know Broncos that didn't want to come out of the closet and wear a Bronco sweatshirt as much as uh, they feel now. And I don't think that's only true in just athletics, but really the success that we've had academically and exposure with the medical school, law school, and really just as all of us that have, you know, really put our lives into this university, the continued growth and where we go next and what's the vision of, of how we all fit together. And that's including those, those Olympic sports as being a, a really big part of that too. Patrick? Um, I don't have any questions. Okay. I'll pass All right. it to you. Good. All right. Um, a couple quick things here. Hockey for a moment here. You did mention very successful season. It's coming up. This is going to be the fifth year of the National Collegiate Hockey Conference. Uh, so a couple things here. One, has it been a good fit for Western, as you would hope? And second of all, with Notre Dame moving to the Big Ten, are you watching out for any sort of reshuffling uh, of hockey conferences at this point? The hockey conference situation, to be quite honest with you, when the Big Ten made the change to move out of the CCHA and the WCHA with their two schools, um, hit us drastically. There's no doubt about it. And we still feel our fans who still want to see many of those uh, CCHA schools that we played here at Lawson. Some of them they're going to see coming back and getting back on the schedule that we didn't really have before. We've got Ferris back, which is always great competition for us and sellout all the time, even though they're in the WCHA. The um, Bowling Green, we've gotten back into there like that because of our other. We're going to, the Michigan thing's coming back. It's not this year, but it's going to happen. We played in the Michigan State this year, right? Um, that's I correct. Think it's a- Yep, yep, that is, and we had to work with with getting Michigan back on the schedule because we do have those that still want those games, and there's no reason we can't do those games. Uh, The entire hockey infrastructure of how the realignment happened didn't make a lot of sense because you have schools going across other institutions to the west, other ones going east, different combinations of that. We were... um, collaborating with Notre Dame, hoping that wherever they went, we would end up with two. And they were in the conversations with the league we're in and basically made that decision to go east. Looking at that decision, they're now looking at it. And and really, for the first time, the Big Ten opened up that uh, they actually invited lacrosse in um, to a a non- Big Ten school, which is the first time they let a non-Big Ten institution in there for. And then so they used that same analogy when they invited Notre Dame back to the Big Mm. Ten. I think it makes total sense for them for a regional competition, which they were going east for everything. I think we always need to have our, you know, eyes open and our ears looking. There definitely is. We've been the best league in the conference. You look at where the national championships come. You look at um, even the last... Uh, gosh, what did we have? Six teams in the playoffs, and and uh, 
you know, from an NCAA perspective, certainly are playing the best hockey possible uh, that we are. And I think that's something that we can be extremely proud of. We still have some educating to do, people understanding how good Denver, Notre Dame, Notre, or North Dakota, that's, it is great hockey. And um, it's competitive to the point of recruiting to the concept of we, we lost some great athletes this year, but I know Coach Murray is excited about uh, definitely bringing – bringing in a whole new freshman class and, and uh, you know, getting them, getting that opportunity to play. So the league is very, very strong, and um, I don't actually see necessarily the Big Ten open that up more. They're moving their championships games back to their conference uh, institutions, though, instead of what they were doing because they were not successfully having a championship game at a trade-off between the Joe and Excel Center in Minnesota. So that's going to change and uh, ultimately, I would say the thing that, that is not the most or the best situation for our fans is that the championships in Minnesota. It's a great, it's a great city to go to. It's, but it's a, a great it's a trip, long, it's a long trip but it's to get there. But it's not like yeah. at the Joe. Yeah. I mean, for us to think that what we drew for football and the championship game over there at 40,000, 50,000 people, we know we've got the same available from a hockey aspect. But that's not as likely for us in Minnesota as it would have been if it was at the Joe. But for North Dakota and many of those, it uh, so makes some sense. And one other thing. 20 years ago this fall, Western Michigan University announced that Kathy Beauregard was going to become the new athletic director. Um, you makes you the longest tenured AD in the MAC at this point. Uh, still one of the very few women who is an athletic director at a Division I NCAA program. Uh, and also, you know, I think something else that's unusual is that you are someone who came from uh, an Olympic sport uh, as a coach. And we're seeing more, uh, you know, people who come from outside coaching, even from the business world. Mark Hollis doesn't have a coaching background at Michigan State. Michigan's had a couple of, of non-coaching mm-hmm. uh, athletic directors. So I, I'm wondering what that does. Does that mean that there could be uh, opportunities for more outside-the-box hires? Could that mean that there would be more opportunities for women uh, down the road if they're not always looking at football? coaches, uh, which it seemed was sort of the pipeline to athletic director for a long time. Well, thank you for um, being able to add up my years here because (laughs) (laughs) there are times they go, I'm not sure how many that's actually been from that aspect. But, uh, you know, my entire career has been here from coaching and then through the administrative uh, role with uh, I believe this is my sixth president that I have had the opportunity to work with. We had several ADs before me, and and uh, the chance to lead and do every day. I get up with as much excitement and enthusiasm and vision as I did 20 years ago to be able to do this job. And it's amazing over the time how we've grown, what we've been able to do there. The opportunities for women are still not where they should be. Uh, from that aspect. Um, You will find at universities across the country that sponsor non-football but do Division I basketball. So an example like DePaul or some of those that are out there without football in particular, the numbers have increased for women. I have a dear friend, Jeannie Ponsetto, who is the AD at DePaul. She came up like me. She was a softball coach 
and uh, uh, basketball, I mean, and um, basically has been there similar to my time frame, and, but does not have football. So that's happening with more hires that way, which leads us all to believe that the hirings that are still being done with football, in some cases, they believe I coach football or the AD coaches football or can't figure out how to hire or do from that aspect. Um, you know, it was interesting that there were three women out of right now we're only talking about a maximum of nine that are at the um, uh, the level of, of at least FCS or FBS football um, programming. And three of us were really unbelievably in the New Year's playoff games last year. So it can happen. It should happen. There should be more. There's. I just spoke in Kansas City to the most up-and-coming, most qualified group of women that are just waiting for their chance. So I hope it doesn't take us 20 more years because when I was hired, the number was seven. So the the increase there has not not been at the level that we would like to see it, uh, but continue to fight for that every single day and, and talk for it and be able to feel as if I'm contributing in some way. My dear friend that is now an alumnus, Zach Terrell, uh, that I spent with yesterday has a new name for me, which he used to kind of call me boss lady with Coach Flack, kind of as a joke there. But um, he uh, is calling me the pioneer now, which I take as really an honor of uh, believing that, you know, we've been able to pave the way for others, I hope. But at the same time, uh, I have felt that, I basically, it's the student athlete that matters, male, female, sport. Uh, Being a coach, in my opinion, I believe helps me tremendously because I'm developing a team around me, whether it's our administrative team, it's our coaching team. I set it up almost like a, I coached. Strengths and weaknesses of different ones, extra talents in some areas uh, is, is a critical part of what we do. And I do believe, to some degree, coaches have sat back and said to me, okay, well, we get it. you get it because you've been there. And sometimes I think that's nice for your own staff to, you know, have conversation. Coach Lester sat down and asked me the other day about some of my teams and some of my coaching. And uh, it's nice to be able to – it's not football, but it's it's developing a team, planning your recruiting, which is really what it's all about, your scheduling, your timing – and there, I'm a big believer in right place, right time. And I think that that's, that's what happened with me when I finally did get the opportunity to uh, move into this position. Western Michigan University Athletic Director Kathy Beauregard, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. also want to thank Bill Broderick of the Battle Creek Inquirer. Thanks for having me. And Patrick Nothaft of the Kalamazoo Gazette. Thanks, Gordon. This is WMUK's West Southwest. I'm Gordon Evans.